Lord's already answering prayer requests. A cow has been born. So praise the Lord. That's already taken care of. Spinner is good to go. All right. Uh, if you would, grab your Bibles. Turn to, turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Oh. I thought I switched mics. Am I off? Sorry, Brother Joe. Apologize. John chapter 1, if you would. Familiar spot, of course. And uh, John chapter 1, verse number 12. Speaking, of course, of Jesus Christ, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. <clears throat> and so we find we could go to, I don't know how many places, uh, a virtually innumerable number of places uh, that call us the sons of God. And uh, we gained the title, the sons of God, when we received Jesus Christ as our Savior. When we received the Son of God, we became the sons of God. Uh, it's, it's amazing, right? You get over to 1 John, of course, beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Uh, I mean, it's over and over again, right? It's replete uh, as such. And I got thinking about that, and I've had this note kind of sitting around in my Bible for a while, uh, but uh, I got thinking, I heard Jim White say a long time ago, uh, he said, uh, God had... God had one son without sin, but none without sorrows. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, one sinless son, but the rest of us, we all still have sorrows. And I got thinking about that, that little phrase right there, and I got thinking about us being the sons of God and how it all works, and ultimately Jesus Christ as the Son of God, making way for us to become the sons of God. We follow suit in a lot of different areas of His life. And so we're going to look at some things that because we are the sons of God, uh, we kind of deal with certain things like Jesus Christ, and we ought to handle them the way Jesus Christ handled them. And so let's have a word of prayer, and I don't know how many of these I'll get in, but we'll get, we'll get what we can tonight. Lord, I do thank you for the day and for your goodness and your mercies upon us. I pray you would uh, bless the service tonight. I thank you, Lord, for those who have come and are, are healthy enough to be here and, and are praying together. We pray your, your hand would be upon the service. Lord, that you would strengthen and help us. And Father, I pray you would bless the service tonight. Help us to be an encouragement and a, and a strengthening tonight to those that are, that are here and those that are listening. Father, we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So he calls us the sons of God. And, and with that, you find out that uh, very quickly, uh, turn over to Luke chapter 4. We're going we're gonna to go to a bunch, of, a bunch of places. We could really go to quite a number of places, but... The first, of course, is here in Luke chapter 4, as the Son of God, Jesus Christ, ultimately gets, gets tested. He's tempted. And, of course, John, uh, Luke chapter 4 and verse number 1, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God... Command this stone that it be made bread. Jesus answered, answered him, saying, It is written, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil taketh him up into, the high, into an high mountain, and showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee in the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. If thou wilt, therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Familiar spot, right? But the truth is every son of God is tempted. That's just the truth. There's always going to be a temptation somewhere, uh, right? We all know 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will also with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Uh, over and over again, we get temptations. Jesus Christ wasn't exempt from it. You and I aren't exempt from it. Uh, we're, we're the sons of God, but that doesn't exempt us from being tempted. Uh, we live in a world where temptation is all around us. Uh, we have a day and age now where anything and everything is accessible with just grabbing your cell phone or doing whatever. Uh, you go out into the stores, you go out into the world, you go anywhere, and you get to see things, hear things, experience things, be around things, you go to work, you hear things, you go to, it's all over the place. Sin and temptation is common all around and no matter, virtually no matter where you go, sin is so accessible to us. And if you can't get it physically, you can get it in your mind real fast. Uh, you don't have to go anywhere at all. You can be sitting in your own home and have just temptation after temptation as your mind continues to work against you. You've been there. I've been there, right? Your mind wanders to something. You're like, why am I thinking about that? Where did that come from? How did I get thinking that way? It's temptation, temptation, temptation. The sons of God, you know what we are? We go ahead and have to deal with temptation. As the sons of God, you realize that that is a marvelous title. That is a marvelous title. It's marvelous because it then makes you think that, you know, there's a, there's a reputation to live up to. There's a name that you've been given. And there's a title that you've been given. And there's some things, and there's things because you're the son of God, you shouldn't be brought into. It helps you understand, hey, guess what? Uh, I can't do that. Why? Well, I'm a son of God. <laughs> I'm one of the sons of God. I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm not supposed to be thinking this. I'm not supposed to be going there. I'm not supposed to be dealing with this. I'm not supposed. That'll give you some victory right there. It changes the way you think when God goes, no, no, you're the son of God. <laughs> Beloved, now are we the sons of God? That's who we are. And because we are, you know what we realize? Temptations shouldn't win. Jesus Christ didn't let it win. Right? He was the one who was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. And you and I, we fail. We do. We fail. No excuse to fail, but we do fail. And the truth of the matter is we fail most of the time because we don't remember we're the Son of God. And we don't have to fail. It's the beauty. The beauty is, guess what? You're better. 
It's funny. The world goes, you think you're better than me. And the truth of the matter is, in our flesh, you're right. I'm no better than you. But I am better than you. Because I have somebody in me who's better than you. It's the, it's the total. The total package is, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. The total package is that, guess what? You have the Holy Spirit. They don't have the Holy Spirit. The truth is the Christian is the son of God and the lost are still a child of the devil, a child of disobedience, a child of wrath. Just keep going down the list. You know what they are? They are in servitude to the devil and they are not tempted like you and I are tempted. They just go about with what they naturally want to do. You and I get tempted because, you know what, we know we're not supposed to. And as the son of God, we look at it and we go, I don't want to do that and we need to not do that. Why? Because ultimately, you know what the answer is? You're better than that. He made you better than that when he made you a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God. That's the deal. The deal is he made you better. When he saved you, he made you better. He, he put something inside of you, namely himself, the Holy Spirit, so that you could gain victory. And you don't have to be. You'll be tempted, but that doesn't mean you have to give in. You can endure temptation. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. That's just the truth. Say, now you think, now you got everybody thinking they're better. You're only better because of Jesus. He's the, he's the product that made you better. But that's just because he gave you things that they don't have. I, I think we're much better off being saved than we are being lost. <laughs> If that's not apparent to you, I don't really, I, don't, I want to tell you. If you don't think you've got it better, I, I feel sorry for you. Look over at Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. I understand in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. But you know the difference? But to will is present with me. Uh, I myself serve the, with my mind, I serve the law of God. The lost world can't say that. That's the difference. And that difference is all the difference. That's the reason you're going to heaven for all of eternity. Isaiah 53. Here's Jesus Christ again, right? Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when they shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes were healed. We know the whole passage and you notice what he says about him though he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs you know because you're the son of God doesn't mean you don't get sorrows and griefs we would love to be exempt of that wouldn't we wouldn't it be great to be exempted from sorrows and griefs but the truth is that you and I just like Jesus Christ wasn't exempted you and I aren't either the sorrows and the troubles the problems the betrayals I mean, you think, I, it, it's pretty bad when, when one, of the, one of the greatest analogies of someone being betrayed is 
you're calling somebody a Judas. Why? Because that was the ultimate betrayal. We all know it. Everybody gets the reference when you say that they're Judas. Like, obviously, they're Judas Iscariot. It's the betrayer. You think that didn't break the heart of Jesus Christ as he's standing there? And he knows Judas is going to do it. He knows it's going to happen. And still he's standing there in a garden. Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Really, Judas? Three and a half years isn't enough for you? Everything I've done for you isn't enough? Judas, come on. Betrayed? Stands there over the grave of a lost, uh, of a lost loved one, right? The loss of a loved one. Lazarus. So yeah, but if, if you'd been there, my brother had not died. Well, yeah, but that's the place in the Bible we all go to for our favorite verse to memorize, right? Jesus wept. The only other verses we like better than that, you know, could be up there with it, is pray without ceasing, rejoice evermore, right? Uh, I mean, these are our favorite verses, but we go to the, the tomb of Lazarus to see that Jesus wept. He, didn't, he wasn't exempted from sorrow. You think, you think he loved the idea that the crowd cried, crucify him, crucify him? You think he liked being rejected by his own? He came onto his own and his own received him not? You think that was enjoyable? You think that didn't give him any sorrow or grief? You think Jesus Christ was just completely unaffected by all of these things? He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. <laughs> you think it didn't bother him that he shows up and they go, oh, he's a glutton and a wine bibber. You think that didn't bother him? You think it didn't bother him when they were calling him names and they were calling him the son of an illegitimate son and a bastard and all these things? You think he didn't, that didn't bother him at all? Just let it all roll off, no big deal to him. Is that what happens to you? Say, so, yeah, but he was Jesus. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs. You think he didn't know what it was like to have people not like him? They crucified him. How about this? How about on, on the first day of the week, you show up and you walk in, you're coming into town and they're, they're, they're throwing down palm trees in front of you and praising you and Hosanna in the highest and how wonderful you are and how amazing you are. And by the middle of the week, they're throwing you up to crucify you. You think that's not disappointing? And I mean, he knows it's going to happen. But let's face it, you know bad things are going to happen to you and still, does that affect you? Well, of course it does. You say, what's Jesus' answer? Well, verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. How about that? He didn't say a thing about it. Say why? Because he knew that it's all in the Lord's hands. Look at verse number 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. 
Therefore will I divide the, his, him with a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Now I know what we go through, and what we, what we deal with, and the sufferings of this present moment are not worthy to be compared with the glory that should be revealed in us. We have all those promises. I know we aren't suffering for the sin of the world like Jesus was, but the truth is that the things that we suffer and the things that we endure and the problems that we deal with and the things that we struggle in and the times we're sorrowing and the times we're grieving, you know what? God doesn't go on, that doesn't go unnoticed by God. And you know what? When you go through it right and you don't go ahead and smite and you don't go ahead and get angry and bitter and you don't go ahead and get all upset about it and have to fight back and go ahead and take things into your own hands, you know what you find out? You find out it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. But not only that, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. For he that warreth can't be entangled with the affairs of this life, right? Why? That he may please him that hath chosen him to be a soldier. And what's the problem? The problem is we get entangled. The sorrows and the troubles and the grief and the we don't endure, instead we get entangled. And we don't bring pleasure. The sons of God are not exempt from suffering. They're not exempt from sorrow. They're not exempt from grief. They're not exempt from all those pieces. Instead, the sons of God are supposed to elevate better than those circumstances. They go above and beyond. They go, hey, I don't, have to, I don't have to come down to the circumstances that I have to deal with. I don't have to be like everybody else when they go through their troubles. You realize that we are not as those that have no hope? We sorrow not as others which have no hope. We may sorrow, but we don't sorrow like they sorrow. We may, we may go through grief and we may go through troubles and we may go through trials and everything may not be going our way and things don't look good. And Pastor Legault is preaching those few weeks on, on the different storms that we get. <coughs> Excuse me, but the truth is that the storms come and the problems come and the greatness is that we have a wonderful God who we look to instead of dealing just like everybody else would and moping and complaining and whining about the storms. We consider him in Hebrews chapter 12 that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. <laughs> Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. We consider him. Why? Because he endured. So what's he enduring? He's enduring the suffering. He's enduring the sorrow. He's enduring the, the struggles and the grief and the problems and the troubles that he had. He's putting up with it. <laughs> you say, I don't want to put up with it. Jesus put up with it. Jesus put up with the struggles and the trials. He endured. And by the way, he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Hebrews. That's an amazing, amazing verse. Just the whole thought process of Jesus Christ right there. What, is, what does God have to learn? But there's Jesus. And what does Jesus have to learn? Well, he had to learn obedience. By the things which he suffered. 
That's Calvary. We all know what that's talking about. He goes, he learned obedience. Well, that's the Garden of Gethsemane, right? That's his will versus the Father's will. The resignation of, you know what? I don't want to suffer, but because you asked me, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Then I'll go ahead and deal with the suffering. And I won't complain about it. And I won't murmur about it. And I won't do all. Instead, I'll submit to the will of the Father. Jesus Christ willing to submit even through the things which he suffered. You know, the Christian has to learn to be obedient even in the things that he suffers. When things don't look good and things don't look great, the sons of God, you know what they do? They understand that God has it all under control and that everything's fine. And if he's in control, then what's happening right now, if he wants to stop it, he can stop it. And if he needs me to go through it, I'll go through it. And if he wants to take me out in the middle of it, he can take me out and I'll go home and see him. But that's all in his hands. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. That's what the sons of God look at. They look at the one who's in control. They look at him and they say, okay, I'm going to consider him. Okay, he's got it all under control. Well, if he's got it all under control, no matter what happens to me, even the chastening of the Lord. Endure the chastening of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, same chapter. Neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Even if it's him chastening me, you know what I can do? It's bringing him pleasure. <laughs> he's chastening me, I better pay attention. What am I doing? So I can bring him pleasure. The trials, the troubles, the sorrows, the suffering, the endurance are all there for the Christian to recognize that the sons of God are to endure suffering and to endure sorrow and to endure all those things knowing the one who's in control. Because if he's my father and he can stop whatever's happening, wouldn't he? Well, unless it's for the benefit. Why does Jesus go to Calvary? He goes to Calvary for our benefit. That by one man's obedience, many could be made righteous. <laughs> That's why he goes to Calvary. He goes to Calvary to make the only payment to, to the betterment of all of men. <laughs> right? In the Christian's life, God doesn't do anything to go ahead and destroy you. Instead, he goes to make you better. Everything he does is to make you better. He chastens you to make you better. He gives you victories and strengthens you and gives you his grace and his mercy. Why? To make you better. That's what he does. He does it all the time. Everything he does is to make it so that you could be better. Well, then even the sorrows and the sufferings become better. In the hand of the one who's trying to make you. Look over at Romans chapter 1. We could do a whole bunch of these, but I like this one, so I'm going to end on this one, all right? Romans chapter 1. Verse number 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord 
which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. You say, uh, what do the sons of God do? They always seem to come up from the dead. I like this one. Say why? You, you know, Jesus Christ proved he was the son, of, the son of God by power because he rose from the dead. You know how you get proof that you and I are going to be deemed the sons of God? Well, that's 1 John chapter 3, right? Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You know, the final, the final thing I'm going to do tonight on this is very simple. You and I have a resurrection coming. We may not even be planted in the ground before he gives us a resurrection. He may go ahead and just say, oh, that earthly tabernacle, you can just cast that one off. I'll give you a better. He'll, he may just go, you know what? Don't worry about that mortal body. I'll go ahead and give you the immortal. Uh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that corruptible. I'll go ahead and give you incorruption. Let's just put that on. And when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. You know what you and I all get because we're the sons of God? Victory. You say, I failed today. Yeah, but you'll get a victory eventually. You, you may have failed most of your life as a Christian, but you know what you'll find? One day there will be a victory that nobody can stop because Jesus Christ is always the victor. That's just how it is. You know, the sons of God, they get life eternal that can never be taken away. That's what we get. We get heaven for all of eternity. We get a new body for all of eternity. We get, we get judgment of the judgment seat of Christ, and we get to get rewarded for anything we did for him in this life. How amazing is that? We get all the benefits, all the benefits of being the son of God. You realize even if you didn't do anything, right, we still get to the benefit of a rapture or a resurrection. You're going to mess up everything after you got saved. You know what you'll be? You'll be resurrected either way. You'll get the new body either way. You say, why? Just because you're the son of God. What a wonder. What a wonder. That's the reason he gives you the power to not have to be, be ahead and, and fail at all of the temptations. That's why we don't sorrow like everybody else sorrows. That's why we don't grieve like everybody else grieves. That's why when we are enduring the problems, we look up and we go, well, wait a minute. I know I'm getting out of here and this life doesn't mean much. <clears throat> this is but the staging area for what we're going to have for all of eternity. The sufferings of this present moment, well, it's not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Say, so when's that coming? When a trumpet sounds. When the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We say, what's that going to be? That's going to be one powerful moment. You realize in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, every saved person on the planet will go from here to there. In a moment. That's powerful. That's real powerful. 
I mean, you, you start thinking about it just for a moment and all the power that it takes to try to put a rocket up into space, and you and I are going to go way past there. Real quick. They could only hope to go as fast as you and I are going to go in a moment. I mean, we're gone, and they'll have no idea what happened. But you and I will. It'll be one powerful moment that a world won't be able to fathom. But you and I will suddenly wake up. I mean, we'll hear it, and next thing you know, there we are. And we'll all know exactly what happened that day. You say, what, the power of God happened. He raised his son from the dead, and he'll raise you. <laughs> he'll take you up, and it will be unmistakable that the title given the sons of God will be very apparent that you actually are one. You know, today you may not feel very much like the sons of God. If you failed at your temptations, you know what you don't feel like? You don't feel like you're a very good son. Right? I mean, feel like a failure. When you, fail your, when you failed your parents growing up, right, you feel like your mom, usually it was the mom, right? They give the disappointed look. Does way worse than most of the beatings you ever get from your parents, right? It's the disappointed look like, oh. You disappoint your Savior, and you know you did. You feel lousy about it. You're like, oh, man, I fell. I lost. I didn't do. And then you turn around, and you may not feel great. And then you're, you're sorrowing, and you're suffering, and you're dealing with all the things, and you're like, I'm not doing this right, and I know I'm throwing myself a pity party, and I'm discouraged, and I'm depressed, and I'm not hoping in God, and I'm supposed to hope in God, but I really feel hopeless. And, right? You don't feel much like the Son of God with power and might and majesty and all the things that go along with being the son of God. And you think, right? I mean, you just hear that title and you think, that's amazing, right? The son of God. But there will be a day that no matter what this life had brought, you'll finally get a day when you feel like you actually belong and own that title. And it'll be the day he puts you up in front of him. And you finally get to see your father face to face. And it gives you a new body, fashioned like onto his glorious body. The day where you know you'll never sin again. The day you'll know you'll never fail him again. The final, the, finally, the day you get to where, you know what? You finally get to live up to the name. Because of everything he's done for you. We've got the name now, though. And we've got all the power now. So when the temptations come... And the troubles come, it's okay. Remember, a resurrection's coming. And we don't have to stay here forever. Lord, I thank you for the day. I thank you for your, your goodness and your saving us. And Lord, I thank you that we were given such a marvelous title that we are so unworthy of, especially most, if not every day of our lives on the earth. But I thank you for a day that's coming when we'll finally live up to the name because of what you'll do for us. Lord, we love you and we do pray you would come back soon, even tonight, so we'd see you and we'd live up to that name, finally, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a good night.